You are no longer part of the system. You are above the system, over it, beyond it. We're them, we're they. We are the brothers. The difference is between you and me, I make this look good. And you know this, man. All right. Man, so we had some technical difficulties last week, but we back and better than before. Um, we are the brothers. Um, before Jay Brewster. Brother, we can't hear you. My mic. It's Earl, man. <laughs> it's Roddy bringing it up the tail end. Y'all forgive him down there. Sorry. We started, we already got out of line this. But it is my honor um, to have uh, an introduction for uh, my younger brother, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Joseph Brewster, joining us today. Um, just want to say thank you. I know that you're definitely busy. Um, your time is valuable. So we want to definitely honor that, man. But thank you for coming to kick it with us, brother. Thank you. How you feel? I feel good. I'm a little tired, but I feel good. Glad to be here. Come talk with y'all. Gotcha, gotcha. uh, Before we actually get started, and um, I just want Joseph to kind of introduce yourself and uh, let the people know uh, what you want them to know about you. I know we all know you're Jonathan's brother, but, you know, personally about yourself, what would you like to say? You. Um, I am Jonathan's youngest brother, four years younger than him. I am a pharmacist by trade. Uh, graduated from the University of Texas in 2015, Hook and Horns, and now I have the pleasure to be able to work with the college as well. So I'm currently a full-time pharmacy manager at HEB and here in Austin, Texas, and I also teach at the uh, University of Texas College of Pharmacy, a elective called Global Health. So those are my two avenues that I currently work with right now. Nice. And he's also a missionary, man. Um, I do do lots of mission trips. That's one of my passions of doing mission trips all throughout the world. So yeah. uh, my wife is from Myanmar, and uh, I do mission trips to Myanmar every single year and bring about 50 to 100 people with me. So that's an awesome opportunity. I think I told you the last time we went, um, when we did the medical mission, and I always say Burma because I say Myanmar wrong. But... <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I always say that much I respect you, man, because a lot of times, you know, you don't get to meet doctors who have, uh, you know, both faith in God and medicine. So it's like really amazing to see you like really be like, you know, the hands and feet of God, man. And like, you know, see God work even through medicine, man. And like the mix with faith is amazing, bro. So just wanted to let the people know, you know what I mean? I respect that about you, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. All glory to God for sure. For sure. And you mentioned your wife, man. So you was a newlywed. I am. I am. So I got married back in November uh, to the love of my life, uh, Deborah. And she is originally from the country of Miramar, as I had said. We met actually from a mission trip uh, three years ago, uh, three or four years ago, when my brother invited me to Burma for the first time. Mm. Uh, so it was one of those things where we thought long distance uh, was crazy, but we wanted to make it work. and. Uh, being the best thing ever. So excited to have her here in the United States with me now and living and loving life. Yes, sir. Joseph, um, do you ever think, because you, you're on a mission show with John, you were supposed to be doing mission work at that time? 
Yeah, so we were doing a Christian youth camp. Yeah, I get that, man. I just want to know, you think God was pleased with you gaining a girlfriend? <laughs> or you I, I believe it was the fruit of my labor afterwards. <laughs> just blessed it. But I said, all glory to God. Yeah. The power of living for God and doing his will. Definitely, bro. She, does, she, does she still like to be called Bobo or is that a no? No, she definitely calls it's called Bobo. I, I never call her Bobo. That's strange to me. Okay. Uh, all her family calls her Bobo, Bobo um, still, and uh, no one calls her by her real name. Yeah, uh, her Burmese name, but she goes by Deborah to everybody else. Yeah, yeah like to know Deborah is to love Deborah, man. She is um, every bit part of part of our family now. I definitely feel like I gained a sister. She's she's amazing. I love that she makes you happy. Um, I can definitely tell that you make her happy too. Just y'all being around each other, you can definitely tell y'all newlyweds. Um, how was it, man? Like with the transition, like because I know that you know, what I mean, uh, you definitely didn't like date a whole lot of women. You know what I'm saying? Before you know, getting married to her, and so like, how was it transitioning from the single life to a married life? It actually, wasn't bad at all. Um, I it went better than I expected. Um, so it was one of those things where uh, we get each other and we are learning each other's um, tics and things of that nature. So um, going through that uh, was as always a transition, um, but in the long haul, it was better than I could ever expected. Um, the transition she loves uh, being in the United States, um, having technology to be able to communicate with her family every single day has been amazing. Um, so kind of to take away some of that homesickness and things of that nature. But uh, she's adjusting so nicely here, falling in love with uh, the, the new life that she currently has now in the United States. And it's uh, been an amazing experience to see her grow and to see uh, how far she's come so far. And just real quick, I know um, sometimes people who don't really understand, you know, like she's not just like a mail order bride whatsoever. She's extremely educated. Like, like tell us about her and like, you know, her passion. Like, what, what does she do? Yeah, so what first drew me to her when we were there was her excellent uh, level of education and uh, English that she had. She was one of the few people that we could talk to that served as one of the interpreters there and spoke English excellently. Um, in addition to that, she's extremely educated. She uh, holds two bachelor's degrees, uh, one in technology and then one in architecture. So she is a licensed registered architect in her country as well as she's an interior designer and I uh, worked in Singapore for a year on multi-million dollar penthouses to design them from scratch. Uh, so she has definitely a created sense and uh, skill about her and she definitely uh, can hold her own and does an amazing job and wants to pursue either even further education and to do more with her life as much as possible. So you could like hit her with just a doctor. She's like, well, I'm an architect, so I mean, come on. Yeah, she's like a double back architect with a technology degree as well and going for her master's. Right. So, <laughs> nice. That's what's up. Well, um, man, we, you know, turn on the television and all you kind of hear about is like COVID-19 and the pandemic and everything has surrounding that. You mentioned that, you know, you're a pharmacist by trade. Uh, we just really were excited about getting like your point of view, your thoughts, um, where your head is at. Cause you know, like uh, Earl mentioned, you know, you're a missionary. We get a chance to travel to Miramar every year. There was an, a, an incredible huge trip that was planned. And I remember uh, texting you, uh, what was it? Late December or, um, I think it was late December. Late December. Uh, 
right when the first cases of COVID was like kind of popping up in China and I was saying, hey, I don't know if this is gonna potentially affect us traveling in March. And we were just kind of keeping our fingers crossed and prayerfully moving, but I don't think that that conversation back in December, we ever had any type of clue the world was gonna shut down like quite literally. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So what has been like your your take on all of this and how has it, has it affected you being like a frontline healthcare worker? Yeah, so that's a great question. So it's all a little bit surreal for a lot of us, uh, especially those in the healthcare field or those who unfortunately are losing jobs right now or being furloughed um, and things of that nature. Uh, we didn't think that a booming economy and a number one country in the world could go through something such um, drastically and such a quick time frame uh, within a month from everything to shut down and to have the turn that it has. Um, so it's been challenging to kind of take it all in. Uh, being in the healthcare field, uh, we are all regulated by laws and things of that nature. And Texas having some of those strictest laws out there for pharmacy in particular, it's a very fluid and liquid situation currently uh, with new laws coming out every single week and different policies and standard operating procedures of what we can do, what we can't do. Uh, the governor declaring an emergency disaster inside the state, which gives us more ability to do things um, and all the different areas that's going on and talking to my network of colleagues and nursing and um, medicine in different areas to see what their struggles have been. Um, it's disheartening as well as enlightening to find out what's going on and how people are handling it all. Yeah, man. I can imagine uh, being a frontline uh, kind of healthcare worker, uh, being in a pharmacy every day and uh, everything like that. Um, how do you, how have you seen everything shift in the past month? Like from the way that you operated on a day to day, um, how have you seen everything like shift? Yeah, so me working at HEB, uh, it's a grocery store uh, pharmacy chain for those who don't know or not, not from Texas. Um, so it was pure um, mania when this all hit the news about potentially having cases in Austin, Texas. Um, the grocery stores were packed to capacity and it was so much chaos with people trying to make sure that they had medications for this time. Um, the people were panicking, um, rightly so, to try to figure out what was to come and trying to get three months to six months supplies of medications and even paying cash for them out of pocket uh, because they're just so scared that there either be a shortage of the medications or they won't have the time or the ability to go get them at that moment. Um, so to put it in perspective, my pharmacy in Texas, in uh, the Austin region um, is a very busy pharmacy. We usually average around 3,200 prescriptions or so per week. Wow. And during the whole pandemic, when it started to hit, uh, we went from 3,200 to 3,500 per week. And um, just continued to be a little bit of chaos throughout inside the pharmacy with the teams and people trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and then also understanding the laws of what we can do under our license. Um, normally we aren't able to give out a 30 day supply of medication without a doctor's prescription for a new medication for a refill, for example. Uh, but since the governor declared a national emergency in the state of Texas, this allowed us to, the opportunity as pharmacists to now give out maintenance medications of 30 day supplies um, if we aren't able to reach the doctor 
or things of that nature if the patient is in need. Um, so it really opened up our ability to prescribe um, and to be able to practice at the highest point of our license, uh, which was great, but also it's something that we had to prepare for and um, train our staff in order to do so in a quick manner. You told me a, a, a story I, I wanted to share. We were laughing and talking um, a couple weeks ago about like the infatuation with like toilet paper and whatnot. Um, people were like calling the pharmacy, I guess, uh, for, for everything, right? They were, still do to this day. So I mean, like, you by sharing that story about how the lady was calling for the for the toilet paper while y'all trying to fill a prescription? Uh, yeah, I mean, we so we again we're detached from like we're a part of the grocery store, but we have a completely different number. Uh, we're kind of our own different, completely different de department. Um, however, there was a lady apparently who was trying to get in contact with the store uh, for a very long time to try to figure out uh, what is our. Uh, stock of toilet paper that we have available. Um, so since she couldn't get in contact with the store, she took it upon herself to call the pharmacy. Um, to put it in perspective, again, my pharmacy team and, and myself are going crazy, trying to make sure we're getting these prescriptions out on time, lines out the door, seven to eight cars in drive-through. And I have a lady on the phone asking me to go check to see if we have any toilet paper in stock. Uh, I was taken back and again had to make sure that hospitality and the H-E-B spirit of all that was still alive. Um, <laughs> this was not the day nor the time uh, right. to kind of field questions like that um, in the midst of a pandemic of COVID. Um, but thankfully we were able to answer her question, give her the customer service that she was hoping for and uh, get her off the phone so we can continue to help. Um, that is such a, a beautiful politically correct answer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but what was right. really got to go with the what, what did you really want to say? <laughs> it, it was a wonderful experience to help customers. <laughs> I'm grateful for my job. Hey, but HEB, man, has been super clutch, man. And like, you've always been a great, you know, representation for me. But HEB, bro, like, I'd rather go there any day, you know, to get whatever I need. You know, even like when I was, uh, when it first started waiting in line, that's the one here off Tremere. Right. And, um, the lady, you know, she was just talking to us, even the officer or security guard, you know, talking, holding conversation, you know what I'm saying, like while we're waiting and making everybody super comfortable, you know, making sure that people were keeping their distance, you know, but still being nice, understanding that everybody's kind of under more pressure than normal, you know what I'm saying? So it's been pretty consistent too, you know, for the most part. So like HEBs, man, MVPs right now. Thank you. I, I echo that. They have done a phenomenal job, not only taking care of their partners, which they call their employees, um, but also the customers in Texas. Um, they have been on the front lines. Um, they usually are very quick to respond to any type of emergency. We have our own emergency risk team that is out there 24-7, making sure that they're up to date and sending out the most pertinent information to the staff, as well as to our customers and make sure they can be uh, taken care of appropriately. So it's a pleasure to work for them and uh, love what they're doing for our, our great state. Nice. How did you prepare your staff? Because I know that, you know, people don't realize that pharmacists, they're just not in the back just chilling. Not only are you helping to like fill medications and sign off on the prescriptions being done by like the pharmacy techs, but I mean like you're managing a whole group of people with schedules. And so I'm, I can only imagine, you know, trying to manage their own personal fears 
with potentially being exposed to people who are, you know, infected with this, you know, disease, and you still kind of maintaining a level of sanity and being kind of a calming voice. Like, what did you do? How did you, what's your managing style? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so one is to try to speak peace in the calm of the storm. Um, during the times where things are in chaos and customers are um, not as nice as they could be during times of this going on and uh, kind of really help my staff understand kind of what they're going through. Uh, always I try to let my staff know that uh, you have to understand that most customers, the pharmacy is the last place that uh, they want to go to. Uh, they may have got a diagnosis of cancer or something else in their family. They, their loved ones are on hospice. They're in chronic pain. I have something going on seriously that they don't want to be at the pharmacy. Um, and they may take out their frustrations of what they're going through physically or emotionally on you at times. And you have to learn to kind of consider the source to understand how to de-escalate those conversations. Um, so I recently just had that same type of communication with my staff uh, because we started to notice a little bit of increase in hostility of some of our customers and trying to figure out what's going on. Um, but we have to understand that one, um, a lot of people are going through financial situations right now where they're depending on whether I'm going to get my insulin um, or I'm going to feed my feed my family. Um, and those are real life concerns that I have and I talk with my customers and patients every single day. Uh, and it's disheartening to hear that, to say, hey, I would love to be on my insulin right now, but unfortunately I don't get paid until two weeks from now. And I just have to go without and try to figure out what I'm going to do. Um, so to try to help my customers go through those situations, understand why sometimes their frustrations is there, I want to make sure my staff is aware of that. I'm also understanding different policies when it comes to medications that are being prescribed. Uh, we can tell a lot from a prescription that comes in the pharmacy. For example, when we get a prescription for hydroxychloroquine, which has been on the news for a lot, yeah. as well as zithromycin, um, that is a key indicator for us that there's something going on when it comes to the COVID-19 crisis mm. happening. Wow. Um, staff is very up to date and, and aware by looking at prescription of what's happening. Um, but with that as well, uh, since there's so many moving pieces and so many guidelines that are coming out on a daily basis, uh, me personally as a manager, I made a COVID-19 information board for my staff. So what I did is put the different SOPs and different guidelines and things that's going on and basically have an entire huge bulletin board inside of our pharmacy with all the different information concerning the COVID-19 specifically that they can look at. I also let them know through um, group messaging that uh, when new information is posted there or when new guidelines happen so they can, they can, be, they can be aware of the moving pieces. Uh, since some of my staff only works maybe one time a week or two times a week, they may miss something that could happen. Great. That's that's awesome that you do that for your staff, that you go above and beyond um, what somebody else may do, you know, just to ensure that your staff is safe. Um, so that's very commendable um, that you that you do participate and, you know, take that leadership role to do that. Um, my question is, as you see the country moving forward to trying to reopen, you know, certain states and, you know, certain places trying to get to the place of reopening, uh, what is your biggest concern uh, seeing that happen so fast where it was everything locked down this week? Okay, we're going to open up this week. You know, what is your biggest concern as a professional in the healthcare arena? That's a, yeah, that's a great question. Um, my main concern is people not taking it seriously. Uh, this is something that we've never seen ever before. And the fact that there is no signs or symptoms for some people is extremely concerning. Um, when somebody has the flu, they know it. They feel like they've been hit by a truck. 
and uh, they have the signs and the symptoms of the fever, the chills, and the things that go along with this. Um, but what we're learning from the COVID-19, there are people who have those similar-like symptoms. However, there are many people who walk around asymptomatic, not knowing at all what they have, and they could be a carrier of the COVID-19 and be spreading it through multiple different avenues of where they're going. So although me and you are feeling fine right now, I could be spreading it to anybody I come in contact with if I don't have a mask or not using the proper guidelines given by the CDC. Um, so that's my main concern that the unknown, the not knowing, uh, which I think testing is going to be the main key that's going to help people to have, feel at ease and to give governors and mayors a good opportunity to understand what's happening in their own states. Um, but without testing, I think it is uh, slightly scary to think about this escalating or having another hotspot open up in a different state or a different city um, wasn't there already due to the fact that either people weren't aware or people weren't taking it seriously. So use your, use your gloves if you have the gloves, use your mask for sure, follow those guidelines. It's not just because of you, um, that you are doing it because you're not trying to, are trying to avoid getting sick from other people, but you could be a carrier yourself. So that's protecting other people that you may love, that you may come in contact with to stop the spread from them. Um, and you never know who's around you, and even in the grocery store, who could be um, immunocompromised, that they have to get groceries just like me and you. Um, but I could sneeze, and some of that sneeze could potentially get close to them, and I could be a carrier without any symptoms, and I could inadvertently spread what I have to them. Um, so it's more about loving your neighbor and taking care of your neighbor, as the Bible says, um, and to be, be passionate and understanding what's going on, and we're all in this together. Yeah. It's crazy you mentioned that, especially with uh, so many of us who have like allergies, you know, yeah. it's just kind of hard. I mean, you, you think you learn your body by now, you're like, oh, this is just allergies, you know, but it's like, like you said, some people don't know, man, your, that sneeze may not be <laughs> an allergy sneeze. That could be, you know, something totally different, you know. So. And, you, and you also have to understand there's a lot of people who are afraid to go to the doctor right now. So even if you do have symptoms, like pharmacists are in the front lines. We're the we're the healthcare providers and the doctors to the people who don't have insurance, who who can't afford to go to the doctor. Um, so we have people coming in all the time saying, "I've had this horrible cough. Like, what should I take for this cough?" Um, so then we have to go through the whole entire scenario, ask the 21 questions of what's going on, and try to rule out what could be happening. Then as well as to find out and think about our team and who they may have come in contact with, how we can sanitize and right. do this everyone else is safe um, but there's lots of hey, moving a lot of people may not think about um, and, the, and the fact that people who could be sick and even if they want to go to the doctor they may not have the opportunity to pay a $500 emergency room bill to, yeah. to say okay you do have COVID-19 go home and take some some cough medications and some Tylenol and then write it out for 14 days in quarantine and then you end up with a $500 bill after that as well um, so there could be people who are definitely even symptomatic, but just can't afford to go to the doctor and not really understanding the symptoms or um, not following, understanding what it looks like to have this type of uh, uh, virus. And they're going and spreading it to other people as well. We, uh, I don't know if you saw, there was a video that went viral uh, a couple weeks back where it was a guy um, 
and I guess he was feeling sick, so he called the ambulance. So they came to pick him up, and they were trying to pretty much test him. And they, so all the doctors are around with the mask on, and he's just really, really um, aggressive and belligerent, saying, you're not going to give me a shot. You're not going to really administer any type of care. So they're trying to, like, almost not argue with them. But at a certain point, he almost they kind of made a diagnosis that he was, like, mentally unstable to make the type of decision for himself. Um, as a healthcare professional, like, how do you, like, walk that line between, you know, somebody making a decision for themselves that they don't want that type of care and realizing that they could be a harm to not only themselves but to other people as far as, like, because, I mean, like you t- said, um, they may call a prescription in for some COVID-19 prescriptions, right? And we're asking them, don't come to the pharmacy to pick them up, have someone else pick them up, you know? And they still show up anyway. No mask on, no gloves, coughing, sneezing on people, don't have any type of like concern for that. Like, how do you kind of walk that line between, you know, still operating with as with professionalism, but still realizing this is serious and people are not taking it serious? So that's a great question. So when it comes to that particular instance, I think it has to be handled on a case by case basis. But also, I think it's very um, pertinent to make sure that you speak up and let them know uh, the seriousness of the situation. Um, To say this is not something that you may feel fine or you may not think this is serious, but others do. Um, And try to handle handle it with as much tact as possible. I know at HEB, we put procedures in place to do everything possible to make sure uh, those customers that potentially could have COVID or do have active cases of COVID uh, not have any other contact with other people inside the store. Um, so we offer free delivery um, that's happening right now. And in addition to that, if they do decide to come to the store, we ask them to go park in the parking lot. We will go bring the medication out to them, put it in their trunk, close the door, and then give them a call to counsel them over the phone with their medications. Um, so we definitely don't want them to feel like they're on an island and isolated by themselves. We want to make sure they're still getting that level of care that they do deserve as well. Um, but we also want to make sure that we're keeping others safe and making sure we are still around to help other people as well. Um, but we have our, uh, in those situations, we uh, definitely have to go and sanitize, sanitize, sanitize. Um, and basically a six feet uh, parameter of everywhere that person may have went um, just to be uh, safe and to continue to, to practice and um for the betterment and safety of the others, people around them. Um, but the cleaning procedures have to increase when those situations happen. So what's your, what, would, what would be your biggest advice to people um, in this pandemic or at this moment? What would your biggest piece of advice be other than the normal, you know, what we've been hearing of social distancing and, you know, stay at home as much as you can? Uh, what would you say would be your biggest piece of advice? So, that's a loaded question. I don't know how to come at, come at that one exactly. Um, so, the main thing is, this is the best time to think of others. Um, this is the, the perfect time to be selfless, to see what you can do to uh, assist other people that may be in need. Um, there's a lot of people that are hurting right now, going through different things and may need something. So check up on your neighbors, give a phone call, uh, find out uh, the people who may feel isolated, who don't have social media or don't have access to go um, go out and uh, shop like they used to or do whatever they used to do. Uh, to make sure that we're caring for each other, showing love as we can, um, as well as 
again, following the procedures as close as possible and being um, knowledgeable of what's happening. Uh, this is a fluid situation. Um, so things change on a regular basis. So I don't recommend listening to the news 24-7 and feeding into everything that they're telling you, um, but look at reputable sources such as like the CDC website um, or the WHO, uh, World, Health Organ World Health Organization, to find out what's happening, what the changes are, and to see how this is either mutating or, or evolving on a day-to-day -day basis to be in the know of what you should be doing. A perfect example was that uh, they recommended not wearing masks when this first came out. Yeah. Now that's changed to we should be wearing masks at all times if we're anywhere close to people. Um, so being knowledgeable and understanding of what's happening is something that I would continue to to uh, recommend to do. I have uh, two questions for you, two part. So like, I don't know, is there, I don't know if, you were, if your job's pretty stressful on a day to day, because I know you're kind of used to it. But uh, if it is, you know, is this something, have you been doing pretty good about not taking it home? Especially now, because your life's changed a little bit, you're married now. Now ask my second one once you finish that. So yes and no. Um, my wife has a pretty good uh, knowledge of when I've had a good day versus a bad day. Because uh, you know, my regardless of how happy I can uh, respond back. Um, so it's not something that it's easy for me to hide or need to hide anymore. Um, but we're at that point where she knows it's been a rough day or not, and I can kind of let her know and kind of talk it out through the day. And she's a good confidant that I can share some things with and uh, feel better at the end of the day as well. Uh, the main thing that has changed is the kind of the way that uh, I have to come home now. When it comes to uh, not knowing and not wanting to spread anything to my wife or anybody else that I come in contact with, um, it's been uh, interesting change of having to basically get inside the door and uh, remove my clothes immediately. I'm at the door and put them in directly in the washing machine, then go shower. And then from there, I can go greet my wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's something that hasn't been a very fun instance, um, but it's something that I know that it's needed and that I continue to have to do for her safety um, because I don't know what I'm bringing in as well as we um, are in the front line seeing people on a daily day-to-day -day basis not knowing what they have uh, some people we do know what they have and our goal is not to bring that home to our lives that's cool man um and then the second question i know you say you kind of y'all sanitize six feet um is this the reason we're not able to get lysol sir in the store no that's the reason you can't get lysol is the same reason you can't get toilet paper <laughs> um, it's, uh, a reason of, of people decided to panic and overbuy and uh, for those who don't know, uh, the coronavirus has been around for years. It's not, not something that's new, but this is a new strain of coronavirus. So if you actually look in the label of Lysol, it says that it kills against coronavirus. Um, so this is why a lot of the hype and people thinking that this could be a uh, sob all or a cure to kind of help sanitize, which it does great for a lot of different things. But what's new about this is, this is the novel or a new coronavirus that's out. Um, so that's just something that they're trying to learn how to fight against this one. Um, but it's just hard to meet the demand right now. The Lysol is still active making the, the drug and or making the uh, spray. It's just they can't meet the demand of what the United States needs right now. So yeah. buy some Lysol stock, basically. That's where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> how, how is Deborah's family doing? I mean, uh, I can imagine uh, a country, you know, that's not as... Um, technologically advanced as like, you know, the United States is in certain aspects. 
like her, you know, communicating with family back home, how are they kind of maintaining, you know, their sanity? Because I know in the country like Myanmar, like social distancing is like probably a lot harder um, just for the fact that they're very family oriented. They like to be around each other, really close proximity to one another. Um, uh, and so like, how are they kind of dealing with it? Yeah, so they are taking it very seriously, which I'm extremely happy to hear. Uh, for those who don't know, Miramar has been very late, I guess you can say, in the game of getting any active cases of coronavirus. When this was all happening in January and February, they had zero active cases that were that were reported in their country. Um, so they were still living life as normal and things of that nature and very grateful all the countries around them had it, but they didn't, did not. Um, so they were doing what they could. Now, unfortunately, they do have some active cases of coronavirus that continue to increase on a regular basis. But with the healthcare system there being so poor, um, it's very hard for them to get adequate testing to know uh, who has it and who, who doesn't. Uh, the government has stepped up and put in place stay-at-home orders, just like we have done here in the United States. Uh, but even stricter stay-at-home orders that they can't have groups of more than five people now. Um, so that has been something that I think has been really good to help slow the spread in that country. Um, but it's also a challenge because, again, most people look at buying groceries on a regular basis, on a day-to-day basis, not buying in bulk for a month. Right. And, right. Like and then with the stopping of the economy as well, there are people who are still hurting financially to, they're hurting financially before this had happened. And now that source of income, the little that they did have, uh, has even been cut off even more due to what's going on right now. Um, so it's definitely something to be prayerful about. Uh, thankfully, Deborah's family is doing great. Uh, no one has any active cases and they're in good spirits um, and are doing well. Um, and she gets to communicate with them on a regular basis, but they are taking it seriously, staying home and uh, doing what they can to enjoy each other uh, in the meantime. So like a place like Scott's Market, has that been closed down? Yeah, everything is completely closed down so that they can go to grocery stores, banks, I believe, um, and possibly a couple other places. But for the most part, everything else has been shut down. Um, and it was very rewarding to hear that the government was stepping up as well and providing some food to some of the people as well um, during the since they know they aren't working and things of that nature. So I was very happy to hear about that. Um, but the need there is so dire, so real. Um, out of a country of over 53 million people, uh, there's only 53,000 hospital beds. Um, so if Say that again real quick. I don't think everybody heard that. Say it one more time. So out of a country that has over 53 million people, there are only 53,000 hospital beds. Um, so if this was going to hit the country, this would uh, be extremely devastating if it broke out. Um, so talking with my colleagues and network there, I know they're extremely terrified and fearful of this. So they're doing everything in their power to um, prevent the spread as well as trying to proper trying to trying to practice proper hygiene and things of that nature as well. Right. Wow. That's a lot to, to really kind of digest and think about. Um, your perspective is something that's special uh, to me. Just um, I just have one more question. I wanted to kind of get your opinion on, um, you mentioned the medication, the hydrochloroquine, what's it called? Hydroxychloroquine? Yeah, so um, I know that people who have um, 
immune systems that are suppressed, like who dealt with lupus and whatnot, that's a medication that they've been prescribed for years that I've seen uh, or, or, or heard that has actually worked well. But with the increased demand of this medication being used to kind of treat coronavirus, some of them have had problems getting their regular fill of medication. Like, have, have y'all experienced that at, at your HUB? And like, is it hard to kind of make those determinations or? Um, and, and I don't know if you really want to speak on this or not. I know there were cases where doctors were actually writing prescriptions that were not necessarily legitimate, trying to kind of stock up on that type of medication. Um, how, as a pharmacist, do you kind of deal with that type of uh, potential fraud and that sort of thing? So it's hard. So it's a case-by-case basis, but when this whole um, mania happened with uh, potential good good things that hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin can happen. Uh, we started seeing a lot of inappropriate prescribing, we call it, and having having doctors even from New York and other places calling in prescriptions for themselves or for their relatives. Um, we, because of that happening on a regular basis and such quickly, um, within the first couple of days of that happening, the Texas State Board of Pharmacy um, made a law in place that for any prescription for hydroxychloroquine, or for azithromycin, um, they are required to have an indication of what it's used for. Um, so if there's no indication on it, then we're not able to fill it. So that um, one made it a little bit more challenging for pharmacists because now every single prescription, as y'all can think about, for azithromycin, uh, many of us have had that for upper respiratory tract infections or bronchitis, whatever could could have. That's a fast mover, easy drug that we use all the time. Now we're having to call ERs and doctor's offices on a regular basis, five to 10 times a day to find out what the indication is, is of this drug because of the inappropriate prescribing that occurred. Um, so it uh, made our workload at the pharmacy level a little bit more challenging. And then from there, also the education piece from the doctors to say, hey, um, this is the only thing that we can do. Um, and we have to have indication f- for these now because of the moving pieces of what's going on. So having to call a lot of these immunosuppressant um, uh, patients' doctors and letting them know that they've been on this lupus drug for years, but now we have to have indication when they send a new prescription in or why they can't get, get their full supply of their medication due to what's going on uh, was a little bit of a setback. Um, but fortunately, we, in my location specifically, haven't had any problems getting any of our lupus or other people using the drugs, their medications, and we've been uh, fully stocked to be able to meet the need of them as well as our COVID-19 patients as well. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you for taking yeah. the time out and like just sharing. I think you dropped a lot of good gems. Um, I think that, uh, people in the chat were saying thank you for the update or the tip about the 30-day prescriptions. I don't know if everybody really understood about those maintenance medications being kind of relaxed um, as far as being able to fill those, those up. Um, I have just one more lighthearted question. I know that you're definitely an essential employee, so there's nothing not essential about you, so you're leaving the house almost every day. But if you were stuck in the house, sheltered in place, what would you be watching like on Netflix or whatever? Um, so I would need your Netflix password first in order for me to watch <laughs> uh, put that out there first. So after this call, please uh, direct message me that so I can actually watch Netflix. But if... Uh, I did 
um, my wife and I, which is amazing. So as you probably know, John, I am a big Criminal Minds fan. Yeah, uh, I love the show Minds, and I uh, ended up watching an episode with my wife, and she fell in love with the show as well. Um, so right now we're like binge watching the series of Criminal Minds. Nice. Uh, really, really rewarding. Uh, so we've been doing that as well as some Law and Order. Um, so that's probably what I'll be doing as well. We're big movie people as well, so we've been watching lots of movies on Disney Plus and whatnot. Cool. That's what's up, man. Congratulations to you again on being newly married. That's exciting. Um, yeah, like, what's up, fellas? What y'all got? a lot of information with us, man. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for taking the time out to come and kick it with us. I know we haven't seen you in the physical in a while, but uh, definitely appreciate you taking the time out just to come visit and sit and give some vital information, you know, for the people that watch this and, you know, for the people that are tuning in a little bit later. So we definitely thank you and appreciate your time. Yeah, my joy. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. It's my joy. You got any last words of wisdom for us before you dip out of here? No, continue to be great. Continue to change lives and continue to do what you do. Appreciate y'all. All right, Thanks, brother. Bro. Love you, bro. Thank you so much. Love y'all too. Take care. All right. So, Earl, um, I just want you to know you had a line for for, for double double white cup and while we do an interview. I just want you to know that, brother. He knew he'd do it for the reason. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you just can't help yourself. I have a single cup, brother. But you knew what you were doing with that big white cup. You know what them signify in our community. <laughs> <laughs> like, like. You knew Earl was at a live, Rodney, with the way he has the microphone set up. Like yeah. he, he wanna be like 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 doing a, a radio interview so bad with the with the white cup. Like Yeah, it just bro. I mean it just I mean we deal with this all the time with this brother. <laughs> yeah, screen, brother. Everything that we go through in the studio recording this when we're together, y'all getting to see it now for yourselves. So the only thing he doesn't have is the headphones. That's it. I live the dream, man. Yeah, Kevin said, man, hold up. Man, hold up. <laughs> man. I'll drink that. <laughs> oh, man. But that was some great information, man, by uh, Dr. Brewster, your brother, man. Um, like I said, man, we definitely appreciate him coming through, um, you know, you know spitting some knowledge, giving it to us raw, real, and uncut. Um, so, how, I mean, how, how do y'all feel about the, the state potentially opening back up in a couple of weeks? Are y'all excited? Y'all nervous? What y'all feel? I mean, bro, like for example, the other day when they first said they were gonna open up, uh, we went to get some bins for the garage, right? So I wanted to clean the garage. I figured that was a good in-home thing to do. But it was so many people in there, bro, in the store. And like, you know what they were in there doing, you know what I'm saying? So like, I think my feelings are for me, I think it's a little too soon still um, to just be going full blown, especially when, you know, it hasn't, um, you know, we're not seeing a decline per se, or they don't even know, you know, um, if there's a vaccine available or whatever, there's not enough tests still. I just, so I didn't get that. And I guess I, I thought, I, I started to see firsthand that it was more about the economy, you know what I'm saying, than necessarily about saving people's lives, you know. Um, then you get the same hit that we're not going back to school, you know, so it was kind of hard to put, all right, if it's safe enough to be out there, shopping and whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, how come there must be something wrong if we can't come back to school, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I don't know, man. It's just one of them things we don't feel right. I think a lot of people are more excited about getting out to uh, spend a, a stimulus check, you know? 
and not too much concerned about just, you know, being safe, man, and taking it easy and, you know, being responsible, man. Kind of just easing back into the things instead of just rushing and say, oh, we can get back outside now. Yeah. Just because I think that, I don't know, I think if we all had a responsible mentality, it would be different. Right. We all know that the society is not like that. Like, we just uh, do dumb stuff. Like, we see how we act on, like, Black Friday. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. like, every, every single year, you know what I'm saying? And, and so, um, you got all these people who, less than a month ago, was, like, clamoring for their job to allow them to, to go home because they felt unsafe. And then right. a month later, like, they protested, you know what I'm saying? Talking about, I want to get out the beach and I want to get back to the ball and whatnot. I mean, shoot, we, we, we all heard as far as like the barbershops and salons not being open. Oh. Uh, well, well, two of us on the podcast is it, it, hurting. That's the writing selfish. Clearly. I don't even know what y'all talking about, man. Just, bro, you the only one out here with a haircut, brother. You know what we talking about. Only one. You was making only a good point, bro. <laughs> I, I know I was making a good point, but I want you to know that you had a line. Pause for this, please. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I wouldn't be in some self care. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you know he got a line in wrong, bro, because Rod ain't got that hat on, so he ain't even shame, bro. Bro, like he pulled the hat off. Like, I'm gonna put it back on. You out here, Jimmy. Put it back on. Right, brother. You know what I'm saying? Put it back on for y'all. You know what I'm saying? But, but uh, yeah, like, I, I just think that, um, I don't know, like, I heard Georgia, they pretty much gonna be. <laughs> You know, taking off the shelter in place restrictions on Friday. Yeah, they said the barber. They said they barbershops and salons and you know nail shops and stuff gonna be open up. Bro, the bowling alleys. Yeah, we gotta have some family fun. They said, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I I personally think it's it's still a little bit too early. You know, for me and my family, we not rushing out there. You know, just yet. Um, you know, some things may ease up a little bit, but we ain't just gonna be out in the mall and out at restaurants right now because, I mean, we still don't know. Just like Earl said, we don't have, you know, there's no vaccine for it or anything like that. Still not no way to know who the carriers are, just like Joseph said when he was on here. So, I mean, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be a rush for me, especially in my situation being immunosuppressed. No, for sure. And I think that's the scariest part about this. I know that when it all was breaking, everybody was like comparing it to the flu, saying, oh, it's, the flu killed more people. True, if we look at the numbers, I get all that. But the flu, like Joseph mentioned, you know when you got the flu. Like, you're not walking around a week, two weeks, and not know you got the full-blown flu. Like, right. you feel it, you know? And with this type of virus, man, like we said, clearly don't feel any type of symptoms or you may have one out of all the symptoms that you may push through like, oh, my allergies are acting up or shoot, back in December, I had a real bad dry cough, you know, fever spiked up. I mean, I could have very well, you know, had coronavirus back in December, you know what I'm saying? I didn't even know it, right. you know what I mean? And recovered from it being younger and not having the different medical issues that were happening with other people. So it's, it's a lot of unknown stuff, like, like they mentioned, like one, one week we not wearing masks. Next week we are wearing masks. Yeah, we supposed to wear them. I guess that's where the conflict is because you think about like we start talking about essential and not essential. You know, these places that are opening back up, well, like some of them employees ain't been working. I don't know if they get paid. You know what I'm saying? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like for that, I'm like, all right, man, yeah, maybe it's good. You know, and then you even think about how some churches are suffering because 
you know, maybe their offering has went down because the people aren't there. So it's like, okay, well, if it's good enough, maybe we do need to get back, but right. let's get back when it's like time to get back, not when, you know. It just it, it was just confusing to me. We're like, all right, we just said we just need to get the economy back rolling because we're suffering too bad, or is it really safe, you know, because you got a lot of, again, going back to just school, you got a lot of students, uh, seniors, man, that, you know, they want to be at school, they want to graduate, you know, so you tell them it's okay to be in the mall, but I can't walk the stage, you know, it's, it, it don't add up. It don't add, it's weird. I don't like, I don't know, you know, what's what's going on. Right. Let me ask y'all a question, because it's something that I was thinking about today, and I know we, we, we three have not talked about it before, but where do we us as believers where do we draw the line between faith and fear like how do you guys how are you guys handling that personally saying you know what i still want to operate in faith yeah. but there's still a level of concern that i have you know but i don't want it to drift into where i'm living in fear so how do y'all handle that how are we handling it? i think i, I got to keep my foundation solid and, and realize that where my source is coming from you know um if that's not solid, then everything else is gonna be shaky. You know what I'm saying? So like, um, if, I, if I build my foundation, not to get all churchy or preachy, but like just simple, if I build my foundation on something that's like solid, meaning that I'm educating myself. Like I even gotta go into scripture. I can just be just practical things. Like I educate myself as far as like what Joseph mentioned, the CDC website, and not falling for the okie doke that I see on Twitter and Facebook. You know what I mean? Um, or even what the news is feeding me, you know what I'm saying? Practice good hygiene techniques that we should all be doing anyway, regardless of a pandemic or not, you know? So um, operating like that, and once I have that in place and all those boxes checked, still operate with a level of respect for this thing, you know? Like, this thing is killing people. It's, it's still hurting people. And when you see, I think that people don't necessarily grasp it until it kind of touches you. But like, man, my sister-in-law, man, her mama, you know what I'm saying, diagnosed with COVID. You know what I'm saying? Her her family, the, you know, the whole family went through. And so it's like, okay, seeing seeing loved ones and seeing family members and people that you know directly affected by it, uh, people losing their job, you know what I mean? Like, so when you start seeing that, you have a healthy respect for what you're yeah. up against and you're dealing with, but you still don't allow yourself to go down the path of like panic buying, you know? I think we kind of laughed, talked about it when it first kind of happened. Um, the media will shape your entire mentality with certain stuff. Like, I started like, you know, when I use the bathroom, I'm thinking like, oh, wait a minute, let me kind of hold off on how much toilet paper I'm using because I don't know how much we got. I started thinking, I was like, come on, John, you will be fine. You know what I mean? Like, be responsible, but you don't got to like ration out <laughs> yourself with the toilet paper, you know what I'm saying? Walking around with the boo-boo fingers. You know what I mean? <laughs> don't do that, bro. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know what I mean? So. Yeah. You, bro. How, you, bro? How you feeling? I think for me, bro, like I'm learning, you know, even in this like pandemic being home more, that I'm still growing in my faith, man. And I'm learning a lot about myself, you know what I'm saying? Like and just realizing that yeah, God hasn't he hasn't given me the spirit of fear. You know, I know he's giving me a spirit of a power of love and a sound mind, but at the same time, like you said, not to be stupid, you know, like, you know, respect it, but I ain't gonna like go run out in front of a car, you know what I'm saying, and be like <laughs> You know, I got power, you know, loving the sound of mine, you know what I'm saying? Like, I still gotta be responsible, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I ain't gonna like touch something and, oh my God, I think I got coronavirus now because, you know, <laughs> if I touch something I shouldn't have touched or I touched my face by accident. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of like, man, God, you know, 
you know, I, I believe you got me covered, you know. And even if I was to get it, I believe you can heal me from it, you know what I'm saying? But right. at the same time, I'm not gonna do nothing to go catch it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm gonna respect it. So just that fine line, man, of, you know, respecting it, but not walking in, in fear, you know what I'm saying? And walking in the spirit of fear. Still learning every day, growing. Say again? That, that's good, Earl. Like, I definitely agree with that. I would say, how about you, Rod? Like, being a beauto suppressed, you know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, um, and I think I've mentioned it to you guys before. I have to mentally kind of, I don't want to say check out, but tell myself to relax. Because, um, you know, before, you know, and with everything that I've been through in the past few months, you know, you know, years, past couple of years, I would say, um, and sometimes I think because I've, 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 with the help of the Lord, that I've overcome so much, yeah. I'm almost like, you know, nothing can be, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Though I've been knocked down several times and been knocked down to the ground, you know, almost, you know, TKO, you know, <laughs> almost like that. But um, I definitely- Ain't like this Zell on training day, are you, brother? No, 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 <laughs> definitely not. Really. And, that's, and that's where just, just the simple wisdom has to kick in. And, you know, I have my, my wife and everything to remind me, you know, hey, you can't do certain things that, you know, you normally would do. Um, so for me, you know, it's just a, a fact of just understanding like, hey, just chill for a while. You know, I know it's out of the norm. I know, you know, you normally don't get down like this, but you know, just just having that, that mental click to just say, hey, you know, just chill for a minute, you know, and it'll be all right. But my faith is still, you know, strong, you know, that God can do anything. But like you, like both of you guys said, we just don't want to put ourselves in predicaments where, you know, we can potentially catch it and be around people that we don't know who they've been around and stuff like that. Even with the podcast, you know what I'm saying? We could easily, all three of us just say, you know, we know we ain't been around nobody with the coronavirus. Let's get together. You know what I'm saying? But I think it's just wisdom and, uh, and you know, having the technology that we have. We just said, you know, we're going to do, do it from our respective homes. So, you know, I appreciate y'all, you know, we keep it moving. Yeah, no doubt. That's that's real, brother. I, I think it's going to forever kind of change the way that we kind of operate. Like, I, I don't believe there's anything such, let me rephrase it. I don't believe it's ever going back to normal again. Normal. What we knew is normal. Yeah. What we do is, I think, I think normal is gone. I think that, um, we'll always have a level of like social distancing you know yeah. what I mean, from now on at least for a, a year if not two years right um, because i'm saying shoot we're about to hit the summertime imagine when flu season like hit like august september we're like people really getting sick and it's like okay am i determining is this the flu is this like a coronavirus again is right. it something new like so right. So much is like still unknown. I think that we got to kind of, we have an opportunity to kind of prepare ourselves to, um, you know, be good stewards of our time right now, you know? <laughs> right. Definitely. We have to. Kind of, I was thinking about when I was in HEB and the lady had, we were talking about faith and fear. The lady had accidentally bumped into me, get some cereal. Bro, she apologized like, she had just did the worst thing in the world. And I'm like, it's okay. Like, I'm not tripping like that. You know, like, I'm gonna give you your space and like, let's respect what's going on. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually this man happened. You didn't just give me the cooties or something. Cause you, you know, that's right. me, you know, but. But, just, but that's, that's, you know, that's kind of, you know, just saying good because she recognized like, oh, 
I made a mistake. Yeah. You know, she wasn't rude about it. Like, get out of my way. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Definitely. She didn't say anything. At least she's cautious enough to say, sir, you know, I, I know she probably kind of went overboard with it, but she was like, yeah. sir, you know, I, I stepped into your personal space and I know we're supposed to be distant. Right. So, and I appreciated that. I really want to give her the comfort too at the moment let her know, like, like, it's all right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not tripping like that. Right. <laughs> Right. Ew, get off me. <laughs> right. Ew. But, you know, because somebody probably would have went off on her. Right. You know, so exactly. Oh, for sure. Got to think about that, too, you know. Right. I mean, bro, imagine if you, imagine in this climate, man, like, you walk in and you don't have a basketball and you, like, sneeze on somebody's baby. Like, bro. Bro. Somebody get beat up on the spot? Bro. Like, I almost be feeling guilty now, like, I have it. If I go out, I have my mask on. Yeah. But like, you know, if I don't have it on for a minute, I see a bunch of people on with one. I'm like, man, let me put my mask on. What am I doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> hey, has your kids been out since all this is went down, Earl? Yeah. Well, we we don't take them to like they haven't been in stores. But like, I took them like on a ride one time, and I forgot we went somewhere. They have little masks though. Um, yeah, yeah. They wear theirs. You know, they like theirs. You know, but. You know, it's different for them too. Explaining to them like why we gotta wear masks, why we can't go out. You know, why? Yeah. <laughs> Not trying to install fear in them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But just trying to, on their level, ex explaining them what's going on. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I took them out. Um, like I took them out to exercise you know, the other day, and still made them wear a mask for a little while. I'll take it off to breathe a little bit, put it back on. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. yeah. That's real, man. That's that's definitely real. Um. Again, I appreciate y'all boys. I thank God for for fellowship. I think I think it's funny the fact that like I felt like closer to y'all the last few weeks. You know what I mean? Um, than for a while, and I was just like asking God about it. I was just like, man, I I miss my partners. I miss like kicking it with them. But like, man, this whole entire ordeal I think has really made me appreciate community, uh, appreciate fellowship, and like even. Um, Shoot, the, the last little get together we all had, you know, at the uh, uh, game night, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Gumbo, like, that was like super necessary and needed, I think, and important. And you really appreciate that, though. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Right, so, it was right when the outbreak first started happening. We was actually right. talking about it that night, you know? Right. We, <laughs> we like snuck that bad boy in, like, right, right yeah. in time before all the lockdowns started kind of happening. Yep. And let me let me ask you this, bro. I know it's not on the list. I think we're about to wind down in a minute, but um, it's what two Sundays removed from Easter. Yeah. yeah. Was it super different for y'all, man? Like, I know for me, like, I'm not saying like this is what I want to do all the time. Like, I don't do like home church every Sunday, but we've gotten accustomed to it, like worshiping at home, which oh. is again just like our germs and being uh, you know, our hygiene. We should have been really doing that anyway. But we're learning to do it, you know what I'm saying? So like, um, I still have to say it was a little, it was a tiny a little different though, man. Like not being, because I'm so used to being in a church setting for Easter. I'm like, dang, man, this is like a little different, you know, <laughs> a little more different than I thought it would be, you know. My tradition was wrecked. Yeah. So like the whole tra tradition of like, okay, getting, you know, dressed up in the Sunday best and, you know, uh, I can kind of remember all the way back to like sunrise service, getting up super early yeah. uh, and all of that, like being in the building with other believers and seeing people you ain't seen in a number of months or whatever, because they only really come on Christmas and Easter or whatever. And, 
like I'm a musician, so like preparing like the, the best yeah. practice possible because a lot of people gonna be in the crowd. So like this year was definitely different, like being, you know, not attached to anything like that. Just literally being like a spectator, like, you know, watching. I think I watched a couple Easter services from a couple different churches I follow online. Um, and so it was different, but you know, I, I still felt like I was able to commune with, with, with God and, and still, you know, uh, worship, you know what I'm saying, in, in the privacy of my home. But yeah. um, I wouldn't want to go through another Easter like that, per personally, that's just me. Yeah, for me, um, uh, I think, the Friday before Easter, Good Friday, we had decided that we were actually going to do communion on ourselves. And, and the girl know the communion story that we had back in the day. <laughs> John, was you there? Oh, we did. Yeah, with Cesar? Yeah. Bro, with the, with the cheesy yeah. bread? Yeah. Yeah, with the cheesy guy. Yeah, that brother Cesar, bro, if he watches him. Cesar, that's the first time I've ever had communion like that, bro. Yeah, it's out but, of uh, Big grape juice and the big cheesy garlic bread. Cheesy garlic bread. <laughs> But um, but we had decided we were gonna find whatever we had here in the house and do communion on Sunday, um, because it was Easter. So, and then when we logged on to church, um, you know, the pastor was like, you know, Pastor Mark was like, hey, we're gonna take communion. Find whatever you have in your home. So it was just, it was just kind of a dope reassurance for us that we were doing the right thing, right? You know, because we had we had planned to do it as a family, you know, regardless yeah. of what happened. And then he ended up doing it, you know, Easter Sunday as well. So it just, you know, it just reminded reminded us like, you know, I'm still, it reminded us, you know, that we know that God never leaves us or nor forsakes us, but yeah. it was an awesome reminder just to say, yeah, you know, even though you're not physically in the building, you're still doing the right thing. You're still honoring me. You're still serving me. So it was, it was dope for us in that. Yeah, you went over there doing communion with chicken wings, were you? No, sir. We just yeah, had some club crackers and some grape juice. So traditional community, nothing yeah. extra. No, nothing extra, man. We just had some club crackers and grape juice, like I said. <laughs> That's what's up, brother. I, I saw y'all was y'all was over there making. You made sure your family came downstairs full of dress. And I, I wasn't being strict like that. They they made it seem like that. I just told them don't come down in the clothes you slept in. I I had already planned on getting dressed. I right. just told them don't come down in the. But they was like fully dressed with shoes on and everything. So I was like. <laughs> They got the message. They got the I thought about that, bro, because like we be having home church, like especially if you're streaming, like, you can't be at home church in your underwear, bro. Like, I mean, hey, you, you really can, brother. It, it ain't no rules to it, you know. As long, long as you ain't around the babies in your drawers, you bro. Know? It's something out of line with you over there singing "Oceans" in your drawers, bro. Like you can't be doing that, man. Yeah, man. Put some, put some shorts. Still respect the service. If you care about yourself, you can do it in your drawers. If you got family around, put some pants on or shorts or something. <laughs> And everybody was working real hard to try to keep it real sacred, bro. Until that Clark Sister movie came on that night. Everybody was like, man, I know we ain't about to be arguing on uh, Easter Sunday. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, man. It all changed. It's funny. Um, well, I guess we're going to kind of wrap it up, but I want to ask y'all something real quick before we get out of here. Um, with the, all the hoopla with this Jordan documentary that, you know, was released, well, the first two parts yesterday, did y'all see that um, that tweet that the Chicago, Chicago Bulls put up? Mm. So they were saying, all right, if you had the opportunity to go one-on-one -on -one with Michael Jordan in his prime for $5 million, you have 10 opportunities to score. If you can score once on him, you get five million. But if he stops you from scoring at all ten attempts, 
you lose the ability of listening to music for the rest of your life. Would you take that bet? Mm, the fact that I'm even thinking about it, man, I'm like, that. I must really love music, bro. <laughs> I know, like, I don't know, bro. Like, it's worth. <laughs> yeah. I know, cause this, I'm like, Mike in his prime. He can play defense. I'm like, can I? I ain't gonna be able to get around him. Right. He's, he's about six inches taller than me, so probably not gonna be able to really. I mean, the, the luck that I'm gonna have trying to just shoot a three pointer over Michael Jordan, knowing he knowing that I'm gonna shoot a three pointer. Yeah. Probably not that. Yeah, I probably just have to. I, I respectfully decline. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Earl? Same thing. Yeah, bro, that dude was a monster, bro. I mean, like Ryan said, you be trying to throw that little kid sneak three up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, but I, I love music, man. And I be, I don't know if I could deal with not being able to listen to music at all. It's funny, uh, one dude's catcher said, like, he would take the deal for sure. Um, he was like, well, first of all, it's, this is prime bike. This is like 91 bike, so it's $5 billion. I'm just going to offer him $2.5 because you know he'd be, he'd, be, he'd be gambling. He'd be like, hey, I'll give you $2.5 million. Just let me get one shot up. We'll split it. Yeah. <laughs> right, you going to catch up on the documentary or no? Are you going to watch it at all? Cause I know you yeah, was I, doing Yeah, I'm, I, I know I'm going to end up catching it, man. Definitely catch it, man. It's, uh, it, it, it's really eye-opening. Bro, it's out of line just for the fact that I never really remember what Jerry Krause looked like. <laughs> but bro, I am convinced Michael Jordan had the fashion that commissioner off of Space Jam. Yeah. Who was in front of charge of the Bond Stars? Looked yeah. just like Jerry Krause, bro. Like short, fat, ugly, like, bro. You gotta catch it just to see how mean they were to that dude, bro. Dude, they was they were savage to this bro. Like, I, man, he walked by, was like, "Hey, are those diet pills in your bucket, <laughs> or, or, or are they short pills?" He's like, "Hey, you want to get the layup line with us? We'll, we'll, we'll even lower the rim for you." Like, they was just like mean to this guy, bro. That's your boss. <laughs> they talked about how bad Scotty Pippen was cussing him out, bro. <laughs> What you do? You gotta come on the bus and Scott Pippen like cussing out the general manager like that, bro. What are you doing? Dang. It got to the point where the head coach was like, "Hey, hey, Scotty, like you gotta cut it. You gotta stop, man." Y'all know, know that's my favorite saying in life. Monkey know where tree to climb. So if they could do it to him, they knew they could do it to him. Yeah, that man, he, and he wasn't gonna let him go that year. No. So you imagine like he said that he can't. He came in Phil Jackson's office and was like, I don't care if you go 82 and 0, this is your last year. <laughs> He's like, you getting fired regardless. Of it. It's like, he hated them just as much, bro. He could just take it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Did so, we cover man, everything? Uh, what's up? Did we cover everything? I know Joe, we got with Joseph. That was some great information. I know that kind of went longer than I thought, but it was perfect. I think we needed it. No, yeah. so, I think it's, it's it's definitely replay worthy. So like, um, anybody who's just kind of tuned in, or we have anybody kind of left, like, hey, share it, uh, sh share that information. I think it's gonna be definitely necessary. But try to upload it on the SoundCloud too, uh, the audio of it. Uh, we got any uh, parting words of wisdom, my brother? Do it a week, baby. Yeah, they wanted me to do a segment. Everybody know I love sneakers, love shoes. Um, so Earl told me to do uh, a sneaker of the week or the month. So um, I chose the Jordan uh, 6 today, one of my favorites. And uh, just 
show it off real quick. This is, since the Jordan documentary was so hot, this is the shoe that Mike wore in his first championship in 1991. 91? So yeah, just a little history lesson for, for all. Cool. What's the attitude behind that shoe, man? If that shoe had an attitude, what would it have? How would and it have that? It's, it's a little aggressive, because that's the shoe he won his first uh, um, championship in. So it's a little aggressive. These are actually one of the pairs that he, this is like one of the pairs that he wore in the finals. Not this exact pair, but you know, colorway or whatever. Um, so yeah, so um, just an attitude of aggression. You know, I love wearing them with uh, jeans, you know, so I could let the tongue hang out just a little bit. You know, like Mike did. Yeah. Hey. That's the sneaker of the week, the month. However, you want to do it. Cool. What's up, man? Well, I love y'all, boys. Likewise. Yep. I want y'all to stay safe out there. Continue to do what y'all been doing. Uh, love Thank you, everybody, for watching and tuning in. Yeah, man, for sure. Thank you, everybody, for just sticking it, you know, being faithful listeners with us, kicking it with us today. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna have more content coming from y'all, coming coming for y'all real soon. You know, some good things in the mix. Got any further wisdom, Earl? Not really, not today, but I got another single coming out tomorrow. Hold up, what's it called? It's Shelby. We are treaders. We are treaders. Download it, please. All that. And uh, actually, I do got some words of wisdom, man. Y'all be careful, y'all artists, man. Like. Uh, when you're looking to do promotions, do your homework, man. Like, don't get caught up in scams. You know, there's a lot of scams, bro. Like, especially for Spotify. Um, I almost got got pretty bad. I did get got on one song. I was like, uh, this don't seem right. I didn't know what song, what playlist it was on. But like, the numbers were like shooting up ridiculous. And I'm like, this ain't right, bro. So, y'all be careful, man. Do it the right way. You know, let it uh, gradually grow slowly. Yeah, people hear it, man, and, and do it right. You don't want to have that false sense of, you know, success and, you know, you find out it was robots and <laughs> stuff like that, bro. So, yeah, man, do it the right way, man. Just be faithful to the people who are faithful to you. And that's all that's important anyway, the people that's following you, James. Yes, sir. All right, well, y'all stay safe out there. Be blessed. All right, peace. Peace.